As business owners, entrepreneurs, family men, it's difficult for us to find the time to put together projects like these. Even though it's something we really want to do, unfortunately, taking care of the things we have to take care of comes first. However, because of viewer support for people like you, we're able to continue doing this. Please consider joining our Patreon and supporting the Burn and Return podcast. covering news from the agricultural and turf grass industries. What's going on, everybody? Welcome. We have episode 3, 1, 2, 3, minus the pilot. Uh, each Nissan, what other languages we got here? Uh, uno, dos, tres, tres. I can't roll my R's. But welcome that's three. That was three languages. I think that's all I got. And well, and one, two, and three, four. Wait, no, that was only three. I'm struggling. Do you have to get your flashcards out again? Do we need Listen, your flashcards? I thought out? we were doing this on, on Monday to begin with, and here we are. It's Sunday, and I was I was actually giving my daughter a bath, and I got done and looked at the phone, and I was like, "Man, what am I doing with my life? I'm just falling apart each and every day." That's why I, I don't know. We'll talk about that a little later. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. This is going to be episode number three of our favorite burn and return. We're going to be reviewing this week's news from the green turf grass and agricultural industries. And I am joined by my lovely cohorts here. I'm Matt Martin, but I've also got Mr. Ray Ito. Ray, how are you doing? I'm doing well for a Sunday. Doing pretty That's well. That's good. <laughs> well, hopefully the uh, we, we don't we don't have to worry about. Uh, too much violence going on in your neck of the woods and everybody's safe and uh and and we can all continue to put forth our best efforts of of keeping you safe whatever that means i don't know what i'm saying anymore ray are you safe no don't worry about it don't worry about it matt uh and uh sorry i don't need a a nanny or a mommy uh i take care of myself just fine <laughs> blink I think, once uh... if you're okay blink twice if you need help ray <laughs> It just makes me wonder what Ray's safe word would be. What do you think? I'm thinking like chlorides or centipede. Like if Ray says one of those things, you know that shit is fucked up. Like there is something bad going on. So we gotta we gotta get Ray a safe word so we know if he's been kidnapped. If the dogs that and live behind him are holding him hostage. We've got the king of safe words down at the uh, on the far end of the screen there. Obviously, you're not looking at a screen. You're listening to this in either end of your headphone. But we've got Mr. DeMay down there. How are you, sir? Do you have any safe words you need to share with us? <laughs> He's thinking about it. What happened? No, I'm no, I'm sorry. I, I, I lagged out there for a second. What'd you say? Oh, I was. I said, you know, are there any safe words you need to share with us that, in the event something goes sideways, that we're where we know to pull the plug, and come launch a rescue mission? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so zoysia grass is actually mine. So if you hear me say zoysia grass, that means <laughs> oh dear, there, there are either women and children. There's women and children present, and you should really, you know, watch your fuck count, or something seriously wrong has taken place, and I am in need of help. So yes. Zoysia grass. If I, <laughs> if I drop that in there randomly, you know I am full of shit and I need some help. Three, two, one. Yeah, you, zoysia grass. 
Yes. Send the rescue squad. Send the rescue squad. <laughs> All right. Well, we kind of babbled enough there. We're going to move right on in to one of my favorite segments. Gentlemen, let's start talking about this week's headlines. All right, guys, I'm not going to lie. I read this headline, and I, I burst out laughing. I, I I mean, I, like, out loud burst out laughing. And the headline is from uh, TampaBay.com, one of their, one of their news uh, publications over there, and it starts like this. In reversal, EPA won't allow radioactive fertilizer byproduct in roads. Mm. Now... <laughs> As we kind of dive into this and unpack it, uh, it's it's not quite as horrific as the headline reads, as I've come to find out. But basically, what they are talking about here is phosphogypsum, and uh, and basically, as when they break down phosphate rock, which they are using to make uh, phosphorus for fertilizers, uh, they're left over with this byproduct that uh, they they have to get rid of, and apparently, they're using it as part of their uh, infrastructure projects, right? And they were saying that they're uh, they're they're worried about it because there is some uh, radio activity taking place with this with this uh, with this calcium byproduct that's going to be left over. Because chances are, and Ray, you can kind of fill me in over here if they're if they're mining phospho. Just listen here. I've already heard the. <laughs> Headline music once, computer. I don't need it two times, damn it. Listen, <laughs> if you just talk to it like a like an angry, ornery old man, it'll it'll abide by whatever that, you put that's in front right. of it. That's J Pink uh using the road studio. Uh sorry about that. No, that's fine. That's fine. I I, t- I taught it what was up. It's all good. Uh, Ray, fill me in on the chemistry here. You got phosphogypsum. I, I assume they're dissolving this with sulfuric acid or something of the sort. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know. Tell me, what are they? What are they doing with phosphogypsum to convert that? This is from the old. Um, uh, who was the fertilizer manufacturer in Florida that Anuvia bought their facility? Um, I'm drawing oh. a blank. Yeah, I, I'm Start drawing a blank M. myself. Uh, I can't either, no but idea. Ray, tell me the, the chemistry here. How are they breaking apart phosphogypsum and turning that into uh, phosphorus fertilizer? Okay. When you react phosphogypsum or phosphate rock with sulfuric acid, what happens is you then create crude phosphoric acid, but the byproduct is, of course... Calcium sulfate, also known as gypsum, plus whatever minerals or metals, etc., present in that uh, phosphate rock are then a part of your gypsum waste product. And do you know what's uh, in close association with calcium and phosphorus? Uh, Our bones? Okay, close, close enough. Uh, cesium, uh, strontium, and a few other. No, in fact, let's put it this way: the entire lower half of the periodic table, which is mostly not good stuff. 
for human yeah, consumption. Yeah, it, it's mostly it's it's mostly. Do not we call good those and, and heavy even, metals? No, actually, I call those the uh, the actinides or the radioactive metals. The stuff that glows in the dark, Matt. <laughs> oh, oh, or makes you glow in the dark. Yeah, or makes you yeah. glow in the dark. Oh. Yeah. Mmm. Tasty. Yeah. So uh, I guess that's not and, quite and by the same the way, as putting MSG on your steak. No, not quite the same. And because, for example, calcium and strontium are so close on the periodic table, strontium goes straight to your bones. And when it goes to your bones, that's where it gets sketchy because radioactive strontium then is irradiating your bone marrow 24-7 once you've ingested it. And when it irradiates your bone marrow, cancer. Hmm. Which is not... A good thing, and all, uh, and with the um, the fertilizer plant that they reached an agreement with to lease time at their facility is actually Mosaic, um, is the Mosaic, company yeah. which is a a publicly traded okay. eight point nine billion dollar company out of Florida. Um, the the stock tickers MOS if you feel like looking them up, but a massive massive fertilizer company. Hmm. I mean, this is really like I, I had no idea about this until I saw this and, and just started looking into it. I mean, this is like a total ecological disaster playing out now in slow motion, but looks like it's going to accelerate because they've got a holding pond that right now, as of April, was releasing 22,000 gallons a day or a minute. I can't I think it's a minute. No, it's got to be a day. That uh, yeah, so they're trying they, to they had to drain evacuate neighborhoods. Yeah, this is like some Aaron yep. Brockovich shit okay. here, boys. Actually, it's Flint, Michigan, worse than, part uh, two. Yeah, actually, I think it's worse because essentially, this is more like what happened in the Pacific Islands or. What's happening right now in Fukushima, Japan, or Chernobyl, mm. because the same kind of elements are involved. Same, the same stuff is, uh, you know, being released. Well, then, you know, the other thing there, too, is that Florida is a state of aquifers, right? Like, there's not a whole lot of desal plants that are providing drinking mm -hmm. water. So, where do these things sit in relation to those aquifers? I mean, that's... They're, they're, I'm just saying that, you know, this is kind of like one of those things that, you know, say 40 years ago, back in the 70s, when, you know, much to our chagrin in some ways, the EPA, you know, comes on the scene in 1970. But there was a lot of dumb and stupid and horrible shit that was going on prior to that. Now, some of the ways they've, you know, chosen about, you know, going about their business and everything like that have definitely been onerous, right, to our industry. However, you know, this this plant is supplying, you know, phosphorus to basically anybody who has a need for phosphorus, you know, in the United States. And so it's not just turf. It's not just ag. Right. Like there's a, there's a number of different reasons that they're processing that there. But again, this is like old school type of stuff where it's been done that way for years and years and years and years. And 
quite frankly, it wasn't a problem until it became a huge, massive, major fucking problem, <laughs> you know? And now what yeah. do you do with it? Right. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you clean it up? How do you, how do you mitigate this situation? And unfortunately, I think you're going to have a lot of people that are out of their homes, a lot of people that are out of jobs, things like that, that are going to have to move because I just don't see a way. And Ray, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't see a way that, you know, the adjacent lands in this case are going to be habitable, right? Based on how they've stockpiled this stuff and impounded it. And now they have no more room for it. And what do we do next? And nobody knows the answer to that question. Well, to add a layer of, uh, real quick, to add a layer of complexity to this, um, you know, they were pumping out 215 million gallons of contaminated wastewater directly into Tampa Bay, right? And uh, and if you want to look at this, the the company that owns uh, this property here is called HRK Holdings, and you can Google it. And uh, and boy. Uh, the Google reviews, they have 36 Google reviews with an average of, of, of 1.3 stars. And it's just picture after picture after picture of um, dead fish in the bay. And um, so and uh, so the Department of Environmental Protection out of Florida actually filed a lawsuit against HRK Holdings. This was just two days ago. Um, and that is over what they dumped in. So. What's funny is that, you know, at the time that this article was written, they were like, oh, yeah, they got approval. They're just going to pump this 200 million gallons directly into Tampa Bay uh, uh, in Port Manatee. And then it turns out, uh, maybe not. Maybe that wasn't such a good good idea after all. Um, so handled pretty, pretty poorly. And I... I don't know. I got to say, at least from the standpoint of this company, HRK Holdings, which um, I'm not exactly familiar with what they do. Uh, it sounds like they handle uh, bulk, dry, and liquid product storage. Um, maybe maybe their method methodology of, of handling storage is simply just pumping it into the ocean. I don't know. I Listen, I'm not, I'm not versed in this stuff, and I do understand dilution is the solution to pollution. Um, however, it you talk about you talk about uh, triggering right there. I mean, even that, uh, you know, I, I get I get a little lax on on some of this stuff, but I don't know about pumping radioactive contaminated wastewater into the dam, uh, into the ocean, especially at Port hey. Manatee in Tampa Bay. If you Please did don't. a two hour two hour radio <laughs> show on a guy spraying the gate into the air, I think you we could probably do like at least five six hours on these motherfuckers right here right come on right yeah yeah we, we could because because tell me now guys do people catch and eat fish in the waters around florida hell yeah hell yeah i've caught oh, eating the fish out of the waters of tampa bay oh no oh fuck i mean because <laughs> you know that for example is the reason why one of the reasons why I don't eat fish because I don't want to glow in the dark. That's I don't why, want to that's be why Ray's paying twenty-two dollars a pound for a ribeye out in Honolulu right now. Exactly. Yeah. He wants that. I he wants that pure corn-fed Midwestern shit. That's right. Give, give me well, that. Give me that that Midwestern beef, please. <laughs> 
And I think this is a perfect segue into our next headline here, which is there's a dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico this summer that's bigger than Connecticut. And after hearing Mm. about Tampa Bay being dumped with a couple hundred million gallons of contaminated, highly contaminated water, uh, is it really any kind of shocker here that we have a dead zone the size of Connecticut off the coast of damn Florida and the Gulf of Mexico? I'm not stunned. I'll say that. (laughs) Hardly surprising to me because... uh... Dilution is, of course, the solution to pollution until it's not. Until it's not. Critical thresholds are met and then disaster <laughs> ensues, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And and that's exactly. clearly what has happened here. Um, and, you know, for those of you that are wondering, and I'm going to quote from here because I'm not a marine biologist or anything like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just got sent a picture by Brandon uh, uh, Falk in the in the in the uh, one of our one of our members here. Thank you for being a great member, Brandon Falk. And that picture you just sent is absolutely hilarious, and it caught me off guard. Um, so, not a marine biologist, but from what this article is telling me here, uh, uh, nutrients such as nitrogen or even especially phosphorus. Uh, I know phosphorus can lead to the growth, uh, the beginning of the growth of algae, uh, and then nitrogen can feed the growth of algae. And then when the algae dies, the decay consumes oxygen faster than it can be brought down from the surface. As a result, fish, shrimp, and crabs can suffocate. And uh, and then, you know, like we were talking about on the Google reviews of HRK Holding Company there, um, you know, not, not looking good uh, because they have lots of pictures of lots of uh, massively dead animals being fished out of uh, the surrounding waters. I mean, turtles. I mean, that's a giant grouper in one of those pictures. Hey, gentlemen, gentlemen, this is one of those things that regardless of what your thoughts are and everything, this is fucked up. This is wrong. I, this is the only way I can look at it. Well, and so here's the thing is that you've got a, a, a disparate group of states. You've got, you know, the federal government that are all responsible in some way or another of kind of shepherding this watershed, right? We're seeing it with this with the Great Lakes, and we'll talk about that here coming up in our returns, I believe, um, where you got a bunch of people looking at each other in the room saying, well, it's not my fault. Well, you know what? It doesn't matter whose fucking fault it is at this point. It matters what you're going to do in the future. And seeing this shit, like, you know, I, I will say this is we get a bad rap. We get people saying all the time, well, you know, all you guys do is spray chemicals and spread fertilizers and you're part of the problem, right? No, we're not. We're using those things responsibly to do what we know how to do, what we've been trained how to do, what science backs up. What these motherfuckers are doing, though, is patently wrong. It's irresponsible. And it's breaking the fucking law. And they should be held accountable for it. Not only civilly, right, in terms of fines and forfeitures and all that kind of stuff, but from a criminal standpoint, too. They ought to go after these people and throw them in fucking jail. Oh, But they won't. This is the one, to- this is the one time where I almost wish our laws were like China's because do you know what they do with uh, corrupt Here we go, Ray. business officials? <laughs> You know what they, they, they round them up in suit. traveling vans and harvest their organs. Am I right? <laughs> there goes all our or, sponsorships from China, by the way. 
No, hey, or, Timmy, you need a new lung? No, or better yet, uh, if you're a real piece of crap, they take you out into the woods and you get one bullet to the head. That's a Chinese execution. They don't, <laughs> they don't fuck around. No, they, like they definitely we're, don't. We're number That's number five. <laughs> we're, uh, we're at a streak five of Ray standing <laughs> on the topic of murdering somebody. I love you for it. I'm not making fun of you. I just want to say, I hope we keep it intact. I hope we keep it intact. <laughs> we got to keep it going do. for sure. It's uh, it's it's too funny. Um, yeah. So, you know, I don't know what the the correct. Here's the thing: is from what I can tell you about playing in the fertilizer space, and I can I can tell you, um, you know. Uh, very honestly that I bought material from mosaic, um, through a broker. And, um, here's the thing is in the fertilizer space, it is so small, pretty much. If you are getting phosphorus anywhere in the United States, mosaic has either touched it or produced it. And you don't really have a lot of options outside of that. It's kind of like if you want potash in the United States, you've got two companies that you can get it from. You can either get it out of Utah, um, and I'm drawing a blank on what that company is, or you can get it from Nutrien. Nutrien owns all the potash mines aside from the sulfate of potash mine in Utah. And, and that's it. That is it. Phosphorus, Mosaic owns phosphorus. And they, they actually uh, handle a lot of the brokerage of lots of different products. So let me let me kind of scoop in here and, and give you a rundown on uh, the, the different ones we see. Um, they do some uh, potassium treating. Uh, oh, Lord, I'm running out of time, but let me see if I can do this. They do some micronutrient manufacturing there. They do Sustera, which is, of course, Anuvia. Um, they do a K mag. Okay. So uh, sulfate of potash and magnesia, um, boron, um, they do a refined potash, right. Uh, and, and phosphorus. Uh, so they do potash purification where it, it looks like they are dissolving it and then spray drying it. And then, and then they do phosphorus. So really a little bit of magnesium, a little bit of micronutrients, they resell Anuvia, um, and, uh, and, and phosphorus. And that makes up pretty much everything they do. And so it's hard for anybody to come in and offer any kind of alternative to this to, to force these people out uh, because they have become ingrained in everything that happens, even down to the consumer level, as just eaters of food. We are 100% reliant on Mosaic right now. They have a monopoly on the phosphorus market. So if we plan on eating food that is grown with phosphorus, which is a, a direct requirement, then we're relying on, on mosaic. So what is the solution? If we go in, we shut them down and jail them. What do we do at that point? Right. That's, I think that's where the, the layers of complexity step in here. And, uh, there's not an easy answer, uh, for certain. Sell it to Bezos, man. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Bezos. All right, Jay Pink, we're going to move on here to the next section. And I'll tell you what this is going to be, gentlemen. We got a two-part approach. Uh, we were we were kind of joking in the uh, show before the show there. But what we have done is Jay Pink has gone out and had some, some custom whiskey glasses made. 
Okay. So if you go to thegrassfactor.tv and you go to shop, you're going to see right there custom whiskey glasses. Custom whiskey glasses. So these are engraved with Thirsty Thursday. They have the Grass Factor logo on there. The glasses are uh, are actually manufactured up in Ohio. They're laser etched uh, here in Knoxville, Tennessee. So we, the, one thing we can guarantee is that this is not lead tainted whiskey glasses. Um, and this money is going to be rolled right into help the, uh, offset the cost of, uh, of, uh, another project we have going on. And, uh, so if you, if you enjoy the show and you want to offer some support, uh, head on over to the grassfactor.tv, head to the shop and check out one of our whiskey glasses. Thank you, Jay Pink for putting that together. Also, we are coming to you for hone health, hone health dot, uh, hone health.com forward slash the grass factor gentlemen. We're men here, and it's important now that we have reached this time in our lives, because I guarantee you the majority of people listening right now are 30 and above. If you're 30 and above, it's seriously time to start thinking about hormone optimization. And that's why I want you to go to the grass factor. Go to honehealth.com forward slash the grass factor and order, order a test kit and just see where you lie. You may be good. You may have nothing to worry about, but at least you have that data set to allow you to make adjustments in the event you're not okay. I'm 34 years old. I took the test and you know what? I wasn't okay. I was blown away by the results I got. I was diagnosed as clinically deficient in testosterone. I didn't think that was possible. I have kids. I've got, I have no sexual uh, or reproductive health problems that I've, that I've run into. And so I was, I was actually stunned. So What's interesting, though, is that a lot of the symptoms that I described to the that the doctor described to me, um, like the the time it takes to recover from an injury or the excuse of I'm just getting older. How many times do we say that? Yeah, I'm just getting older. That's why I'm having having this experience or that experience. Well, guess what? That could be a symptom of low testosterone. Get it checked out. It's only forty five bucks. And now you'll be armed with the data set and have the tools right at your disposal to be able to do something about it. You get a real blood test. You get to meet with real doctors. Honehealth.com forward slash the grass factor. Men, take care of yourself. Do it for your family, if for nothing else. All right. We're going to be moving on to... <laughs> this is this is some good one here. We're going to be moving on to our burns. Yeah, She'll never you get heard old. It right there, boy. She was on <laughs> fire in that recording. And you know, <laughs> listen, when I put that together, this is this is no lie. Um, I downloaded that clip and it was um it, it was not it was like a fight or something or exercise, you know, and it, it reminded me of that old uh, Adam Sandler skit, sex or weightlifting. Does anybody remember that? My balls. When I when I heard that lady making those noises, I was like, that is not that's not exercise or, or a fight or whatever it was. It was. I was like, that is that is horrific. That is that is nasty, sir. Okay, so uh <laughs> headline number one here of our of our burns. Number one, farm pesticides killing more bees, according to a study. This is from BBC News. And listen, I don't think this is ever going to lighten up on the industry. From today and this point moving forward, we are going to be inundated with more of this. And it's going to create 
huge amounts of fear related to food and food production. Is this going to break up the mega uh, uh, farmer uh, farm groups, farm companies that are out there that are presently going through these massive acquisition programs? And is this what's going to allow us to get back to smaller independent farms? I don't know. Uh, because as we do, you know, how much of this is going to be interpreted by bureaucracy that we need to do something overreaching as a whole and shut down a, a significant section of farming and then lead to a disaster uh, a la the, um, uh, uh, the old Soviet revolution and, uh, and what's you know, currently taking place in like North Korean stuff. Um, <laughs> it's not funny to me. It is not funny. There's people that was, that was, starving that was, out there. That was weird. That was weird. I heard right. you, <laughs> I heard you cackling out there. Um, I did. That not, was an interesting, not, it was interesting tie together. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just picturing you connecting the dots a paragraph ahead. And I'm could thinking, you, what could the you fuck hear the neurons firing in my brain? <laughs> <laughs> it's like this dude this dude just got transported back to Knoxville 2005 like that he's he's in the basement cranking out a paper just whacked out of his mind just writing stuff hey I just dude it's Sunday night I gotta fill up like six more pages so let's talk about fucking North Korea and bees dude yes I should not have related that to the government's trying to kill us, but I, somehow I ended up on that topic. All right. Forget Somebody it. Somebody else talk Go about ahead. this. No, no, no. Ryan, <laughs> chime in. All right, what all right, are... all right. So the thing, the thing that they looked at, I'm glad they mentioned this in the article, Ray, because this was interesting because, you know, they're talking about parasites that have been present in much higher populations in these bee colonies that nobody's really mm -hmm. looked at, Right. And nobody has said, hey, what's going on with this? They're just isolating down to the pesticide level and saying, hey, you know, here's what's being applied exogenously to all these habitats and pollinators that these bees um, frequent. And so they kind of played both sides of it there where they said, hey, you know, there there does seem to be uh, some reduction in the, the uh, parasite levels in some of these colonies in the small sample size that they looked at. I think what you're going to see is what Matt was saying. You know, the neonicotinoids are clearly on the hit list. I mean, once we get through all the glyphosate stuff, the neonics are got a, they have a target right on the back of their head, right? Like right behind the ear. It's going to be quick. You're not even going to know it, and it's just going to happen. And it'll be that'll be it. See, I get to talk about that'll people getting it. killed too, Ray. But um, <laughs> we've all now we've all now all three of us have partaken, right? So we're good. We'll mm -hmm. check this box. Um, so the other thing that I worry about too here is, and it's only been talked about a little bit, but the thing you're going to hear more and more about, especially where it's still on label, is chlorothalonil. Because there is a definite, a definite link between chlorothalonil and uh, harm to pollinators. Ray, what do you think? I did not know that. Okay. Uh, you didn't know that? No, no I did know not that. know that. Well, well let, let's first break down the new nicotinoid issue because guess what country does not have 
an issue with B decline. Australia. Educate me. Really? They have the, yeah, Australia does not have a problem with B decline because trying to get organisms no, or anything into Australia, good fucking luck. It, it's almost like you trying to travel to Hawaii from the continental U.S. right now. I mean, Australia has always had an extremely stringent biosecurity program such that it is virtually impossible for somebody to import, say, bees contaminated with parasites into Australia, whereas Hawaii and the United States, bees just, you know, come, go, get transported, uh, so they're carrying varroa mite, so they're carrying uh, the equivalent of BHIV. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's all good. But because Australia, Australia uses oh. the same stu stuff that the European Union, United Kingdom, and United States uses. I mean, they have neonicotinoids, they have carbamates, they have... You know, organophosphates. In fact, Australia is a little bit crazier because they're not under the, you know, environmental and safety directives of the uh, European Union. So they're pretty crazy with their chemicals out there. But they do not have a bee decline issue. I mean, they use chlorothalonil there. That, no, pro is, is, no that, problem. That's pretty interesting. And, you know, later on here in, in this article, and I got to say kudos for uh, the BBC even bringing this up because um, uh, a lot of times this is not brought up, and, and that is the issue of mites, right? And they're talking about how specifically they feel their data collection is, is showing, and um, they actually hey, have a little picture here from the University of Hawaii, that a, a resistance to the varroa mite is on the on the increase. Mm -hmm. So that's that's, I mean that's got to be a good thing, right? I mean, because I know there's two sides to this to this uh, argument, right? And for those that are listening at home, uh, basically the EPA is saying uh, neonicotinoids and pesticides. Maybe not necessarily the EPA, but uh, the yeah, environmentalists are saying. Yeah. Environmental are saying, NGOs. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Environment. that uh, yeah. uh, the, the pesticides are, are taking care of the bees. And then there are uh, the other groups um, that say, well, actually, it's uh, the increase in the specific mite that is uh, causing problems with the bee population. And so you kind of have these two sides of the arguments, and, and not really many people talk a whole lot about. Uh, this might issue that could be causing and I, again, this is not my area of expertise, so I don't want to pretend like I've got some hard lined opinion on it because I don't, because I don't understand it enough. Um, like I just learned, for instance, that chlorothalonil had uh, a direct links to um, negative impacts on uh, pollinators. I had no idea. So, but I think it's fair that they did address that. And it's, it's interesting uh, to hear about Australia and them not facing the same issue. Um, and but they're also not dealing with the same mite issue that we are here in mites um, no in the states mites and 
and latent, you know, viral and fungal infections because in the absence of the parasite infections and, you know, diseases, the bees are not adversely affected by subtoxic amounts of, say, imidacloprid or clothionidin. They're not affected. Whereas, you know, I'm going to be, you know, rational and reasonable and hypothesize that in the presence of parasites, though, trace amounts of a neonicotinoid or chlorothalonil is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back in the case of the bees. But in the absence of those parasites and infections, the bees are rather resilient and they will live with, you know, label rates of new nicotinoids and chlorothalonil just fine. What do you think, Ryan? Where, where are we at with it from, from your perspective? I, there's just so much that is unknown because I, I think we need to get a bigger sample size on this and really understand too what what are we giving up because imidacloprid we think about that in turf in terms of you know grubs and other uh, soil insects and really from a cropping standpoint like it has a much wider uh, standpoint in the market that that makes it something that. If you take it away, what do you replace it with? And what is out there that's safer, right? So in turf, you know, we have a celeprin and that's safer. But if we look at that, you know, we talked about this before with, you know, finality of worker safety and things like that. But when we take it and look at just the, the pure cost on uh, imidacloprid versus celeprin, we're literally talking like 20 plus X difference in cost. So can you pass that on to your customer? Can you absorb that if you're a sports field manager, if you're a golf course superintendent, just to be safer from an environmental standpoint? I don't know. That's a tough thing. I the only thing I do know is that the only thing I do know is that Ray made the comment about HIV for bees. I thought about Queen Bee, and then I thought about Freddie Mercury. I knew there was a joke there, but I couldn't put it together. <laughs> it really makes me mad. Really makes me mad. I tried. Yeah, well, and if anybody out there disagrees that Freddie Mercury is not one of the greatest rock and roll stars at all times, I will oh, yeah. fight you. I will fight no, you. No, I will Mercury. fight you. Oh, no, I great, will fight you. <laughs> I will fight you. But You've, you but any Yeah. But but anyway, Matt, the other you know, consideration is that as far as broad spectrum yet still relatively safe insect control, I consider imidacloprid to be very high on the list because I use a lot of imidacloprid, but not for, not for what you think. I actually use that very heavily in my tree, shrub, and flower pest control programs. That rate's very high for me because that replaced a very uh, unsafe spray program because before imidacloprid I would be sending the likes of diazinon 30 feet up in the air for insect pests where now I do a soil injection of imidacloprid it's clean it's safer for me it's safer for bystanders you know it's overall a better 
choice. And by the way, chlorantranilopril or acelaprine is not a direct replacement for imidacloprid in that use case. So I'll tell you, I had more success um, switching to soil drenches with imidacloprid than I did with foliar sprays. And I'll tell you what I saw anecdotally at the time. Uh, so I used to run a tree shrub tank mix that I called tomb, right? And it was tall star, orthene, merit, and banner. And through continued applications year after year, I had developed such bad spider mite problems on all the properties I treated where normally I, I never saw. And it just started to become a thing. I switched over to orthene and permethrin. <clears throat> and it cleaned up a lot of those issues that I was having. And it wasn't well, long after that, that the research came out about imidacloprid and, uh, and uh, increasing mite infestations. Why? I don't know. Uh, I didn't go too deep in it, but I observed that with my own eyes in the midst of all of that taking place. I thought it was Tallstar. I thought Tallstar was the problem. And um, and so that's why I removed it from the tank mix. And I, I, I chose orthene as the systemic cause it is mildly systemic. Right. And I, uh, so I did, I thought it was a bit redundant to have the merit and the orthene in there. And it, it was funny how much the mite issue improved, uh, just dropping a midocloprid. Well, where I ended up adding a midocloprid back was uh crepe myrtle bark scale. So we started getting that real bad in the South. And I found that, uh, soil drenching uh, imidacloprid was one of the most effective ways to take care of that issue. And you're right, incredibly right. clean, easy. Uh, you're not having to air blast everything with the JD-9. I preferred it. Mm -hmm. um, all right, we're going to move on to the next headline here. And boy, it, this is almost a joke in and of itself. Uh, Lawn Starter acquires Lawn Love. Uh, and for those of you that are wondering, if you go back, you'll see I did a video where I used the Lawn Love service. And I'll tell you right now, Lawn Love was a complete and total joke. They were trying to make it come across as like the Uber of lawn care applications, right? Where uh, they contact you and they're like, hey, go treat this address. And here's the thing. They're 100% reliant on the customer telling you what they want done to their property. And we all know that 90% of people contacting you for a service isn't because they know what needs to be done. They just know what their <laughs> desired outcome they want to have happen, but they don't understand the intricacies of how to get there. And the Lawn Love platform did not allow you to explore those intricacies, right? They just told you that if you go do this, it's going to be $30. And if it's anything over that, submit your receipts, and then we'll try and get that approved to the customer. And it was it was an odd, kind of a bizarre thing. And I reached out to the CEO of the company and talked to him, and he basically was like, yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Good luck. Um, so <laughs> Lawn Starter has raised $17.7 million in funding. They have uh, 12 different investor groups here, everyone from uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, Rob Taylor, Bull Creek Capital, Binary Capital, um, Ronnie Cahan. Uh, so I, not all of these I know. Uh, I know some of them, obviously, Gary Vaynerchuk with Vaynerchuk Media out there is a, is a, is a pretty big one. Um, I don't know specifically what he put in, but now they have enough capital to go ahead and make the acquisition of, dum-dum-dum, Lawn Love. 
They did not release the financial specifics here. Um, and, and rightfully so, if I had to guess lawn love was on the verge of failure and they probably scooped it up for pretty cheap. I don't know. Maybe, it, maybe it was doing well. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think this platform, it may work for mowing lawns. I understand they're trying to appeal to the, to the millennial, um, where, you know, I would say millennials do not value, uh, uh, the, the relationship that, uh, the people in our previous generation did right that relationship between a provider and um, or or I think about it especially in terms of uh, equipment sales right. I don't call on my sales rep for information because I don't want to get sucked into a forty five minute conversation about the kids and um, drinking beer or my favorite sports team or whatever the case may be. I want an answer to my question. And I want to move on. I don't have time for that shit. What are y'all's takes on it? How do you, how do you, not, not just yes, lawn love and lawn starter. Tell me what your thoughts on that are, but more so the millennial buying pattern versus what the pattern was with say maybe even Gen Xers or especially the, the boomer relationship based sales philosophy that's out there. I'm gonna let the I'm gonna let the Gen Xer go first. Okay, that's you. Here's what. I, no, no, actually, I'm just kidding. I'm no. kidding. Stop. <laughs> Stop okay. Uh, I think that we are headed for bad trouble because already, guys, how many times have we seen people, you know? buying products and not understanding you know how to use them safely how to use them well because i have the opposite experience in that prior to the internet there was a quote unquote garden shop in the middle of honolulu that was run by a person that knew his stuff and this guy basically sold pro-grade stuff right next to the ortho stuff. But hmm. he would basically tell people how to safely, you know, use it, apply it, how to keep themselves out of trouble. Because, true story, uh, up until his shop closed, I remember seeing stuff like... Uh, Durspan, uh, Dizenon 4E, Cinezine uh, wettable powder, uh, to name a few things. And those were not consumer items. That's, you know, pro-grade products, you know. But what I'm saying is that I don't see the education of people regarding why they're even buying and applying that product. I don't see the education they because millennials and beyond they hear about it on social media and next thing you know it's tenacity uh it's any number of things right guys any number of products get sucked into that oh i heard about it on facebook or oh my favorite i heard about msm let's let's go by that where you know i even told you to this day i get mildly nervous opening that bottle (laughs) 
because I know what it can do. And okay, so I'll say this first is the reason that this is a burn is because, you know, and Matt's talked about this at length before, and I wholeheartedly agree with it is that this is oversimplification to a point that far exceeds the shit that we bitch about. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're basically saying, oh, I've got weeds in my lawn, come spray it. Okay. Well, let's say that, you know, that applicator gets there and, and, some Swiss army knife of uh, a chemical cabinet on his truck decides, oh, you know what? I'm going to spray MSMA. Let's just say that the, that's what happens. Okay. Now that person calls lawn love two or three weeks later and says, Hey, there's still weeds in my yard. Come back and fix it. Are we sure that that same applicator is going to come out? And are we sure that the person that does come out is going to know what took place out of that property previous, right? Like, mm-hmm. And uh, maybe there's safeguards built in their system. I would love to find out. I'm going to I'm going to just theorize here for a second and say no that there's not. There's none of those safeguards built in. I and can again, confirm no there's not. Okay. So again, oversimplifying it to satisfy a need in the market, right? Somebody who's oversimplified this need in the market that people want to have nice lawns, they don't want to fuck around with true green, they don't want to call a local person uh you know, like Lush Lawns or like Green Dock or um, Nate Alleman or somebody else that we've interviewed on our program, right? And say, hey, I want to have a top-notch lawn and I want you to do it for the entire season because really we all know that's what it's going to take to even have a chance at doing it. And these right. motherfuckers are trying to, to distill it down and say, hey, you just call us one time and we'll, we'll do whatever you need. Well, I mean, doesn't this just turn into fucking whoring out the shit? Like, this is just turning tricks, right? This is turning tricks. This is, uh, you know, a blowjob in the alley or an around the world in the motel room that has the hourly rates, right? That's all this is. And it's unfortunate and it's sad for our industry. It really Horrible. is. And the people that are, partaking, that are partaking in this from a service provider standpoint, I'd love to know why. Like, I'm, I'm dead serious. If you're listening to this and you do this, I'd love you to come on our show and just explain how it works in more detail. You know, obviously Matt saw zero value in it and got out pretty quick, but if there are people that are doing this um, and having success, I'd love to hear about it and, and why and maybe how it works for you because maybe there is something there uh, and I'd love to be educated. So I'll, I'll keep an open mind, but on its face, you know, if you're asking me my opinion, that's what I think. The whole millennial I thing, like, mm-hmm. go ahead, go ahead, Ray. No, I think it's garbage because... I I actually have the opportunity to be, you know, that gigolo uh, pleasuring desperate housewives and widows, okay? Because wait, we're still talking about lawns. That, uh, yeah, we're still talking about lawns. Oh, okay, okay, because, okay, yeah, yeah. Have me confused there because, for a second. Okay, because Ryan, how many times a week I get a call from somebody saying, "Hey, uh, my lawn is." A shit show. It's full of, you know, sedges, broadleaf weeds, grassy weeds. Can you possibly come by and give me a price to just spray it? And I'm like, ah, no, no, I can't do that. I can't do that because if I did, it doesn't work. Uh, Guess whose fault it is? 
right, Ryan? Guess you. whose fault is it if that? Yeah, it's my fault if that application doesn't work. I get to look like the fool. I would love to know and that too. What the dispute, the dispute resolution looks like that for Lawn Love and all mm -hmm. like that is probably a he did it. No, he did it, and who loses out there? The consumer. Yeah, because so the closest thing to an all-in-one would be is if I blasted a lawn with, say, tribute total and dismiss. That would be the closest thing to an all-in-one fry everything, burn and return type of an application. But I know for myself, even something like that requires two to three applications to actually kill it. So, you know, a one, a one shot, uh, quickie behind the bar isn't it, Ryan? Sorry. <laughs> Is that how they did it back in the eighties, Ray? Yeah. <laughs> This this is the last thing I'll I'll say about it is the first property I got sent to was uh, an aeration overseed in like April or May uh, and you know that's here in Knoxville which is not feasible and you get there and there is a uh, hundred and twenty year old oak tree in this front yard the front yard is maybe twelve hundred square feet and then this tree is obviously oh, just shading out everything in it and you know. Could I have aerated and seeded that and collected my 120 bucks or whatever it paid to do that? Yes. But, you know, I called the customer. I had a good conversation with them and I was like, it's just, it's not going to work like you think it is. Don't do this. Uh, if you want to address the tree, then yeah, something can be done. Otherwise, landscape it and be done with it because this is not what you think it is. It's not that simple. And we had a really long conversation. Turns out he was a chemist at OR Oak Ridge National Labs, and uh, he was very appreciative of the of the feedback because obviously he was mm. buying something that he didn't understand what he was buying. All right, uh, we're going to move on to our next section here. But before we do, we are independent creators, and in order to remain independent, because we are never going to get a sponsorship from one of the big boys like Syngenta or Bayer or uh, any of the other uh, fertilizer producers out there, especially after we just shit all over Mosaic too. Uh, feel free to nope. support us by going to <laughs> patreon.com forward slash the uh, forward slash burn and return. Uh, patreon.com slash burn and return. And, uh, and, you know, buy us an airport beer. Yeah, it may be a little bit of expensive beer, but you know what? It, it helps us to continue to do this. And, uh, and we are incredibly appreciative of it uh, because if it wasn't for viewer support, we would be out there having to whore ourselves over a Sunjo Dethatcher. And, uh, and pretending like we really enjoy using that machine. Or you would see me with a Toro snowblower down here in the south running it over gravel, <laughs> pretending like I'm blowing snow. And uh, so we don't do that because we have listener support. So thank you, Burn Return. I mean, uh, patreon.com slash Burn Return. All right, we're going to move on to our saving graces of the week, our returns. La, 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 la. All right, so uh, this is what's interesting. Uh, we were talking about cloud seeding last year, uh, last year, last week, um, and I thought it was just some crazy shit coming out of the uh, Arab Emirates. Turns out, nope, cloud seeding is a thing, and it's a thing right here in the United States. Eight states are seeding clouds right now. Unfortunately, 
I'm going to jump immediately to the punchline here. And the punchline is, is that they're not really seeing anything uh, life-changing about it for the time being. Uh, but they do go into pretty significant detail in this article here. And feel free to scroll through it and read it and try and come to some sort of understanding about it, more so than I intend to, because uh, the part that I pulled away that it wasn't exactly highly effective for the time being uh, kind of turned me off of it. But... Turns out it's a real thing, and they're doing it right here in the United States. Boys, boys, are we in the wrong business? Should we start cloud seeding or what? Uh, you know, the, the, like I no. said in the pre-show, you you know, first of all, last week we talked about the six foot, the amount of six foot bongs that were cleared in the just development meeting for this product, right? I mean, they were just, yeah. <laughs> definitely now as i said in the, in the pre-show this is the kind of thing that is just so full of jargon buzzwords environmental impact everything like that that you know that the shark tank guys went in the bathroom in the stall right after this jerked off and was like this was the gold goose guys this is fucking <laughs> it i've got it <laughs> seeding clouds man like everybody was so jazzed about this. Did you, did you this. read I'm trying to the, think. the There's an acronym for the, the project called SNOWY, and it stands for Seeded and Natural Orographic Wintertime Clouds. And I couldn't help but laugh when I read that. I don't even know what that means, but it is a buzzword life changer. You know that was on the pitch deck. Like a thousand percent <laughs> that was on the pitch deck. And somebody got so is so excited about that that they told like people they didn't even know anything about it that didn't even care like they're telling their wife that night like I, these guys from snowy pitched me tonight and she's like yeah whatever like i don't care you know where are we going on vacation next month talk to me about something i care about you heartless piece of shit all right ray i i, I, I mean, th this is this <laughs> um the only thing i'll say about this is that this this is a microcosm for me of like the grass thing in general like we people get so frustrated with like the hundred year old oak tree that you just talked about we're literally trying to harness nature and go against the grain with with everything that we do and there are going to be times that you are wildly successful sometimes through your own efforts sometimes through things that you had no control over and just happened fortunately but when you sit there and try to do it to this level like this is beyond jurassic park shit like michael Crichton wrote that as a fucking fiction book if he would have wrote something about seeding clouds and said dude this is it we're gonna make a movie about this and james cameron all those dudes have been like michael you are absolutely high like you've done some pcp you've got some angel dust in there and i have no idea where the hell you're going with this but you ought to get yourself checked into a clinic like now it's serious. Yeah, you, it's bad. You, you need you need to de you need to detox because <laughs> cloud seeding was actually an old idea dating back to I want to say World War II, and mm -hmm. it basically has never worked. It has never worked as intended, and. I even hear chatter about worldwide geoengineering where, for example, 
there's an idea out there to aerosolize particles of you know of some kind to make the skies more opaque to sunlight and that is in an effort to quote unquote uh delay or modify global warming but <laughs> what a bad freaking idea no let me tell you why that's a bad idea if it is warm in one place and cool in another guess what happens when you globally make the skies more opaque and reduce the amount of solar radiation and heat reaching the earth the cold places get extremely cold okay i mean talk about fucking around and not knowing what you're going to get when you do i mean and even for cloud seeding to me that that falls into that category of fucking around and not understanding what you're going to get a, get out of it because one of the issues with seeding into clouds is that the weather you create might not necessarily affect where geographically you intended to affect yeah so you do it in one place and you create a problem somewhere else this is because... like that guy in jurassic park the australian guy that mm -hmm. got eaten by the velociraptors that he kept this is a total analogy right here i can see it clever right? girl I mean, the... yeah because that is why for example the hot or the source subject here in hawaii is all of the contrails slash chemtrails that used to be laid over Hawaii from, I want to say, the 1990s up until about 2006. Because everybody's asking, what effect did that have on our weather? Because while they were doing the contrails, and we saw the contrails, we were in the middle of a drought. But when the contrails finally stopped, a decade of epic rain followed. Mm-hmm. We talked about that last time. So, and I can't believe that, though, that that, you know, that that wasn't studied in deeper capacity to understand what those downstream effects might be, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It, 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 I would love... There's some, you know... We think of meteorologists and we when we think about people on television and things like that and there are some great people on tv there's some fakes and whatever too but there are some dynamite research meteorologists out there that can tell you a lot about just whether not when i say over the years i'm talking like over millennia that we have really understood the patterns if i looked at it and things like that and i would love to get their opinion on okay when you're trying to manipulate this to this extent on this local of a level what right what would it really look like like what could really happen here and also if it went completely south what could happen mm -hmm. right besides nothing i mean that's it, that's just saying that nothing would happen but um i don't know that that would be interesting to for whatever reason i, I think we'll do a deeper dive on this at some point this winter you know when we're 
struggling for turf topics, we might have to do a uh, cloud seeding episode with a cloud seeding expert yeah. point counterpoint with a research meteorologist. That might be something fun. That would be fun. Um, all right, I'm going to take us into our next topic here. And we've got another good guy, this one coming out of New Jersey. Wayne, New Jersey man's lawn mowing charity is growing at an overwhelming rate. He's now in 16 states. So, Brian Schwartz, this man lost his job due to COVID-19. He was an advertising uh, dude, uh, from what I understand, what I read through there. And uh, and he said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to keep this going by doing some landscaping. And uh, and so he, he he did it. He was doing it for free. And, uh, and it just, it kind of took off. So now he's got sponsors that allow him to be able to continue to do this. He's got other people volunteering time to be able to do this. And this is, you know, where the community comes together and does good for one another. And I appreciate that. So good for these guys. I want to mow your lawn.com. I, Hey, keep up the good work. I love seeing community impact like that. I think that's a great thing. No doubt. And I mean, a guy like that, that takes a negative of losing his job and rather than, you know, bitching about it or, you know, taking the extra money when he didn't really need it or whatever, he found a way to to do something that clearly he loves. Like you wouldn't do this if you didn't love doing it. Right. And to do it to help people, you know, they're talking about cancer patients, elderly people, just like we talked about with Roddy Smith, I think in our first episode mm -hmm. where he's inspiring young people, this guy's just literally taking it and making it his own thing, his own uh, nonprofit that goes around and does this and tries to connect other people in communities to do the same thing. So, you know, you, you don't think about that part of it of, okay, I'll, I'll put it in this, you know, what would you do if you couldn't mow your lawn? Would you call somebody? Would you feel ashamed of, would you not have the money to do it? Would you not have the time to think, even think about it? All those types of things. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of different reasons why, you know, and that's why I always, when I drive past, you know, somebody's house and it's like, you know, the lawn's unkept or something like that, try to have some empathy and say, hey, who knows why, right? Maybe they're not a lazy POS. Maybe they're just going through some stuff. Maybe they're sick. Maybe uh, whatever, right? And it's people like this you that will what? step in and help out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because believe it or not, guys, I don't only deal with the, you know, ultra wealthy uh, absentee owners. A couple of my customers are actually, uh, they're literally on their way home because they're, they're elderly. You know, they can't mm. do it themselves anymore. And okay, just this week, I started a, another lawn rehab. Ryan, Seashore Pest Pal. Mm. Oh, wow. And this was, no, this was a guy who told me up until he couldn't do it anymore due to ankylosing spondylitis, which is a form of arthritis. He told me he kept that grass in almost golf condition. Hmm. But, you know, I looked at it before I put my mower on it. And I told and I asked him, okay, so how many years has it been since this lawn was properly cared for? He said the last time he mowed and edged it himself was about 20 years ago. 
Oh since my then, God. No, since then he's had a motley crew of characters that okay, the last straw for him this time was his lawn person uh sprayed the weeds in the lawn with Roundup. Mm, and yep. there we go. No, Yikes. and when I and no, and when I saw the grass, my first question for this guy was, uh, when did these spots form? Because you know, when I see a dead area in Seashore Pestalum, I freak out because I'm automatically thinking take all patch. <laughs> okay, I'm automatically not not this time. Patch. Yeah, not this time, and and I'm th and I'm breathing a little sigh of relief because because if it's take all patch, Ryan, it gets strenuous. Mm -hmm. You know, having to having to nurse the grass and and maintain it, but it's like, oh, it's Roundup. Okay, then 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 I then I was like a little relieved because some fertilizer and ro and water will fix, you know, that kind of damage. Little a little ocean water, and you're you're back in business. Um, yeah. Uh, all right, I'm going to move on to our next topic here, uh, and I think this is pretty interesting in the, in the realm of fertilizer. Uh, farmers make progress in improving water quality, but much work still remains. And what's interesting is what they found was that instead of applying a season's worth of nitrogen at one time, dividing their applications into lesser amounts, but increasing the frequency helped improve the quality of their water runoff. Interesting. It's almost as and if their yield. what's been practiced and their yield. What's been <laughs> yeah, practiced yeah. in turf grass for a long time and understood in turf grass for a long time has finally made its way to agriculture. And it's been possible. Slowly. Slowly. Yeah, I, it's it, it's an interesting topic where you know this is an article from Ohio and on you know, Ray, if, if you don't know what's happened here, you've mentioned water quality issues in uh, Hawaii and some, you know, with water going directly to the ocean. Here in the northern half of the state, most of the water ends up in Lake Erie. And so there was a, a situation oh. <laughs> uh, maybe five, five years ago that the city of Toledo, which is a city that's got, I don't know, 150, 200,000 people in it uh, and more in the metro that they had to literally shut off their drinking supply water because there was so much cyanobacteria and algae right at the intake on Lake Erie that they couldn't suck water in without damaging all their pumps. So for like three days in the middle of summer, they shut off all the drinking water. And that was because of all the phosphorus that was coming downstream from all these different tributaries that ended up right in that area and just caused these massive, huge algal blooms. Right. And so this has been a point of contention here now for well, it's it's probably it might have been longer than five years ago because uh, there's nothing that's been made mandatory yet in terms of the only thing that you can't do now that used to be done quite prevalently here was uh, spreading manure on frozen fields, right? So you'd have mm -hmm. these swine and um, beef producers that would sit there and just they had to get rid of it, and they would go out there in frozen fields that stuff would go right down into the canals along their fields and the drainage ditches and then off to the waterways it goes. And so now 
you know, I think what these guys are starting to realize is what Matt was saying, that best management practices, it's not just, you know, this earth friendly tree hugger, you know, uh, kind of thing. It, there, there actually is merit to it. So real quick, Jay Pink, I, th- I sent you that picture before. If you want to throw that up real quick, if you're able to with the uh, push it to 105 percent, Scotty. <laughs> there we go. So this is. Uh, are you familiar with this one, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is a, oh, this yeah. is a great little graphic. Me too. This is the nutrient nutrient stewardship council. They're out in Iowa, but they they kind of cover everything. And so understanding these, and I don't care if you're in turf, ag, whatever, right, horticulture, any of it, right source, right rate, right time, right place. So you know. This is the kind of stuff, right, from a best practice standpoint, that when you hear us on other shows and we're, uh, quote-unquote, hating on other people or whatever, it's because they're not necessarily following all of these when they could be. And and it's, it's almost impossible not to when you have a perennial crop like turf grass in a known space, right, it's not hard to to follow all of these. When you're an ag and you're changing and you're talking about hundreds, if not thousands of acres, that's a little bit different of a scale to change your practices. So, Ray, why don't you talk real quick about how this might impact people, warm season, cool season, doesn't matter, but how these four R's might uh, apply to anybody from the average Joe to the pro. Well, it's all about, I think to me, bottom line is getting the most value out of every dollar you spend for fertilizer because I frequently like to say IPM. And IPM to me doesn't stand for that no pesticides tree hugger stuff. What IPM means to me or stands for in to me is I pay materials, therefore I don't waste them by not applying them at the right time, as the right source, uh, at the right rate, and you know, using good product placement, you know, practices. Like for example, you don't see me blasting granules, you know, over a sidewalk strip or a hell strip. Uh, and about, uh, you know, ha- half of the granules are on the road and uh, the other half is on the sidewalk and maybe only a little bit is on that five-foot strip. Uh-uh-uh. That's what, that's what a uh, two-nozzle boom is for, for example. And <laughs> as far as egg goes, uh, all I got to say about egg is it's about fucking time. Okay. <laughs> Because I know these growers, they pay materials too. And then they come back and they they cry to everybody about how, oh my God, it costs so much to, you know, get that acre of, you know, corn. And I only get, you know, X dollars back for that, you know, acre of corn, yet they're doing stupid shit that wastes fertilizer, uh, puts fertilizers, you know, where they clearly don't belong or they're applying fertilizers that 
the wrong time of the year when their crop's not even uptaking it. And so therefore, that's another instance where it becomes a pollutant. And then they come back and they say, oh, no, you know, corn went down, you know, another so many cents per bushel. I'm dead. I'm in trouble. It's like, yeah, pal, uh, who told you to soil load the fall before? Spend all that money. And on top of that, you know, mm -hmm. now you got a problem. <laughs> Crimea River. Well, that and that's that's what they talk about in this article is that they're they've figured out that these guys that are clued in here in Ohio that are doing it with those, you know, multiple applications is that they're using they're able to use less fertilizer, right? So that's going to be going directly to the bottom line, and they're having more yield, which also goes directly to the bottom line. So, you know, mm -hmm. I hope. You know, for my home state's sake and for the rest of the Great Lakes and all that kind of stuff that they do take this common sense approach because Matt hit it right on the head. Like how many how many decades, I mean literally decades, have we known this in turf? And while it's a completely different, you know, it's an annual versus a perennial cropping system, the same the same tenants apply of the four R's, right? You can't get away from those. And overall I just think that uh it's good to see this is a return for me because people are starting to take notice that there's a better way to do things. And I hope that turf, you know, continues to follow suit and evolve. And I think we're seeing that with MLSN and, um, you know, better correlations with fertilizers, all that kind of stuff. So deeper dive topic for another time, but um, at least here uh, in the Great Lakes region, the Midwest, it's good to see this for sure, from my point of view. Yeah. That all right. Totally good. <laughs> Gentlemen, uh, we have completed all the topics we had queued up for tonight, but but uh -oh. before we call this to the end, <laughs> let's check in with our mailbag. You've got mail. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, so we have an email here from Jeff, and if I wasn't using the Rode laptop, I would pull everything up, so I'm going to kind of go from memory here. But basically, he was wondering, he's graduating high school, uh, he's in his senior year, and he's super interested in turf, and he wants to know what you guys would recommend for him to start looking into education-wise. Where is he? Oh, Did he say where he's located? Uh, he might have, but uh, I can't pull seem to pull it up uh, right now because everything is in chaos. But um, I want to say he's in the southern area, if I remember correctly, but I don't remember which state. If if Sean Smith's watching this, even though they even have a turf program, I'd tell him to go to Bama. <laughs> Roll Tide. You, why would you do that? Why would you do that? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You better be to me. God, I'm kidding. There I don't. The hey, Ohio State bid for the SEC. You'll never get in now. <laughs> I'll make sure of it. I'll be there protesting. Do y'all have a tumor's <laughs> corner that I can I can go get some spike seventy five DF and? I'm just kidding. I they have, say uh, that out loud. I'll go to jail. They have. Who's that? Harvey Updike that grow. poisoned the. Harvey Updike. Well, is that the Do most? Harvey is that the most southern the southern yokel name? Is that not the most southern? He's an alias. Who are you? What's your name? Harvey. Harvey. Well, fucking up, Dyke. <laughs> uh, so, so go my ahead, go normal ahead, answer, Mississippi. When, when people... Mississippi. Oh, oh Mississippi. Okay. Oh, 
Mississippi State, baby. Ole Miss. That's a great yeah, for sure. Bulldogs. Um, normally, when people Speaking tell me they want to get Speaking of Mississippi State, oh, we got to put this up here. Go What's ahead. that? No, you, uh, well, you my initial response is, is typically um, uh, don't. I pick a different industry, go oh, into something else. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, I think it's 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 different for someone who's who's 18 and uh and and sees that as a potential for what they want to do and and actually make a career out of it. Kudos because if they're inspired that young with whatever limited exposure they've had, that's probably someone who actually takes it incredibly serious. And I know that there's a lot of people that kind of reach the the midlife crisis in their in their life, right? And they're like, I've been working indoors for a long period of time, and I wish I worked outdoors. And and so they want to make that jump, but you know they're used to, you know they may they may be coming from uh you know some other career where they have stability and uh, they don't have to learn how to manage cash flow for a, a six month season or an eight month season and all that fun stuff. Whereas if you kind of come up through it in its entirety. Uh, you learn that along the way and it's not as painful because when you're learning that in your 20s, it's not as difficult when you're in your 40s and you've got, you know, two or three kids that you have to take care of as well. Um, so anyway, if you're in Mississippi, definitely check out Mississippi State's turf program. It is top notch. Um, I Everybody that I've worked with out of that program, and I know a couple guys from Memphis. So uh, Ken Crenshaw with, owns a company there in Memphis called Irby Systems. Incredible company. Ken's a, a, an, an incredible guy. He runs one hell of an awesome business. Uh, he's incredibly knowledgeable. Um, everybody I've known that has come through that program is top notch. Um, but because you are in the South, you also have exposure to a lot of different places that you can go, right? So, um, uh, you know, I would recommend you check out UGA. I definitely would recommend you check out uh, University of Tennessee. The way that program has evolved over the last 10 years is second to none. Uh, I mean, uh, with uh, with uh, Dr. Sorokin coming in and uh, your favorite out of University of Hawaii, Ray, that, that we picked up and moved over there. And, you know, now uh, Dr. Michael Woods is also an associate professor of University of Tennessee. And it's, it's, there's just, they're, they're really producing some, some quality guys. Like for instance, Brandon Horvath, uh, who came to the program, uh, is, uh, is Stingray Steve. Why, why are you doing this? Why are you hating on Stingray Steve? Listen, he is one of the great college football. He's one of the great college football commentators and reporters that's out there. I can't believe right. you, you know about Stingray Steve. I thought that was a Southern <laughs> thing. I'm not, no, a Southern thing. Go ahead, Ray. You go first. Okay. Uh, you know, I'd probably recommend, yes, you uh, get uh, get your education, but in conjunction with that education, sir, you had also had better start thinking about how you're going to intern yourself and get yourself acquainted with the the real world because when you can combine real world experience and real world knowledge with you know book learning then you become unstoppable then you become unstoppable because is that am i right about that matt yeah a hundred percent 
Uh, and I can I can tell, oh boy, this um, you know from the get go when post school, um, I learned how quickly how much I did not know about anything. Um, so it, in addition to what Ray is telling you there, lineup experience. Also, I would look at studying outside of just the turf field. If you can, if you can spend the extra time and do it, study business and study chemistry. Um, and I mean, go a little bit deeper than you need to on those two particular topics, because that really exposes you to every facet of the industry. And if you want to take it even one step further, you could study, uh, uh, uh manufacturing, you know, like maybe take uh, if you, if you got a chance to take an industrial engineering class or something like that, um, you know, that way you, I mean, literally any base is covered where you can step into anything. Some other specialty stuff would be like precision, uh, precision ag. Uh, if, if, uh, if they have, I know, I think Mississippi state actually has some classes you can take on precision ag. Uh, so that's something to look into because I think we're going to see a lot of bleed over from ag into turf regarding that as well. Um, but step outside of your comfort zone. Yes, it's one thing to learn as much as you can about uh, grass from a very technical level, but also from an experience level. And then the other things that are going to make you marketable uh, across different companies in the industry, like, for instance, a, a background in chemistry, good chemistry knowledge, and then also business knowledge where you can go open your own business. Exactly. And I'm, I'm just going to add that one of the things that, really made a difference for me is how deeply I went into soils, uh, chemistry, plant pathology, entomology, uh, you know, botany, because that essentially differentiates you from somebody that just cuts grass or sprays grass to somebody that actually knows why the grass is even growing. And when you know why, that makes you different. You know, why, knowing why makes you different. <laughs> what you got, Ryan? Uh, this is doing. Oh. Oh, this is uh, this is a really, really uh, close one to me. I mean, I, 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 um, I'm very passionate about people that want to get in the industry, and especially uh, people that know from a young age. I was very fortunate, um, and I don't want to talk too much about myself, but I'll just say that I was 16 years old and knew what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I mean, that, that and that I, I have to thank for that is people surrounding myself with the right people. And I would say that that's, that's number one, is people over places. It's trying to find the right people to work for, regardless of where they're at, and don't necessarily worry that, hey, I worked at this prestigious place or this place that's going to look good on my resume. Don't worry about any of that. It seems very, very uh, in vogue when you're young and you think you need to make it, but if you go work for somebody who can teach you a lot and that will give you the opportunity and empower you to go out there and do great things, let you fuck up a little bit, right? Safely, safely, like not like completely burn down the shed, but like start the fire in the shed, but put it out in a very short order so that the fire department doesn't get called and you don't get to pay a civil fine. I don't know where I got that from, but it just came to me. But in any regard, 
I do think that, um, you know, Mississippi State is a great program. It's a good place to look. I, I would just tell this kid, hey, if you want to get on and jam with us sometime and just talk, I think that's the best way. It's just feel you out. doesn't have to be anything formal. It doesn't have to be live on YouTube where you're, like, on blast with everybody. But we'd love to help you out. I think all three of us here, um, we're not going to be around forever. We'll all be dead in the grave someday, and somebody will have to be spraying behind us. Somebody will have to be, uh, you know, answering that lawn love call when we need uh, the sig- tropical signal grass, signal grass taken out of our yard, Ray. Somebody's going to have to answer that because you're not yeah. going to be there to do it. You're going to be re- you're going to be retired in Fiji at that point. <laughs> you can only hope. You can only hope. <laughs> so, I, like I said, I think for this for this individual. Um, Find the right people. Get on here, though, and seriously, I, I would welcome a phone conversation, whatever. Don't think, you know, we're too big for it. We'd love to help you out. Did you hear that? Buddy, come hop on. We'll do an off-the-show segment or off-the-air segment. Hell, we can do an on-the-air segment, too. He, I mean, this this kid may be like, now, hell no. I'm going to go live, and I'm going to pour <laughs> my heart out on the table right here in front of all you guys because that's the that's the stupid shit i would do right i don't know well just 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 be wary of other people that say they have golf course lawn or golf course experience that are going to try and tell you what to do don't listen to those people Ooh, yeah watch out for them the people that have had the the bullets flying over their head at the car dealership hey should i should i start putting my wife in all my thumbnails can i do that is that that too (laughs) spicy I think uh, is that too much? Is that too spicy? Is that too much heat? Is it is it too spicy? No, it's not too spicy. Is it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just gonna. It, you have to be a real fucking. Is it, w, is it trailer park? Is it trailer park? If I do that, tell me that. Uh, I mean, just a trailer park. I don't know. I mean, do they play? Do they have a key party at the at the trailer park ever? Don't ask questions you know the answer to, damn it. <laughs> you know you know the answer to that. That was you set yourself up to make yourself laugh on that one. Maybe I did, but it was still funny just to think about it. Like, yeah, Tracer, we're we're going down here. We're going we're going <laughs> It's not gonna be good. It's not going to be good. I mean, the uh, I'll just say this is that, um, honey, pick that Dallas grass so I can get get a thumbnail picture. <laughs> put it put it in your mouth like the old farmer pictures, Papaw. <laughs> I'm I'm seriously I'm speechless, which is usually not the case, but I can't think <laughs> of any reason why you should do that if you have any self-respect and i think the individual that we're talking about (laughs) lost all of his maybe at birth probably at birth you're you're insinuating that i have a decent amount of self-respect left and i'll say that it's i'm somewhere between a quarter tank and empty all right so (laughs) i'm not i'm not too far away all right you're on a moped though we'll get this thing wrapped up is there anything else y'all want to touch on before we head out? No, hey, three episodes in. Grateful for the support. 
grateful for everybody that tunes in and listens to us cackling about all this dumb shit, but uh, it's important to us. And, you know, we, we have our Thursday show where we interview people, but this is our chance, just the three of us, to sit down, talk, shoot the shit, and learn about other ways that Ray fantasizes people dying. <laughs> Well, hopefully, hopefully, I don't get taken in as the next serial killer. <laughs> no, 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 no. You you seem more like a uh, like a, a you could write some books. Like I'm dead serious. Like we just need to get you like a ghostwriter, and you could probably mm-hmm. come up with some fucking doozies, man. Just <laughs> self publish right on Amazon. I think it'd be great. All right, I'm Somebody done. suggest that as a show title. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash burn and return. Also, check out our custom engraved, custom etched whiskey glasses. Something different, something nobody else is doing. Uh, Jay Pink designed all these. He had them made, sourced them all locally out of Ohio, and then finished here in Knoxville. We actually package it. Well, for, actually, Jay Pink packages and ships them all out personally. Uh, so you can head over to thegrassfactor.tv, head of the shop, and you'll see it listed there. Uh, thank you all for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week.